Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Hour number two of Fantasy Sports today here on January 22nd. A new free agent has picked a home and he has changed the lineup for the Atlanta Braves. We'll talk about that as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia here with you. Happy Wednesday, everyone. If you missed the first hour of our show, of course, we hit on the National Baseball Hall of Fame discussion. Just hit that on-demand rewind button, or if you're listening on an app, start from the beginning. Uh, listening live, go back. Joe and I hit on everything. We hit on uh, Derek Jeter, Larry Walker, everyone who was in, everyone who was out. And uh, certainly we could do shows like this for two hours. But I know those of you who follow us for Fantasy Baseball Advice, we're getting closer to the time where some of you are starting to draft. I'm having to start making my decisions on which drafts I'm in this time of the year, too. So yesterday, as soon as the Hall of Fame discussion was over, uh, ESPN reported that Marcelo Zuna signed a one-year, $18 million contract with the Atlanta Braves. The fantasy aspect we'll hit on in a minute. Let me give you the reality of, uh, of Ozuna, who through the years I've been able to report on and uh, done a lot of you know, you know, clearly talking to him and everything through the years of him playing in Miami and then even over to St. Louis. This is clearly a disappointment. Uh, Marcelo Zuna <laughs> was looking into the offseason at getting four years, 50 million, five years, 70 million, three years, 45 million, something like that. But uh, unfortunately for Ozuna, uh, it is my understanding, and is that he made a bad choice, which was uh, around July or June of last year, uh, decided midway through the year after being represented by Scott Boris for seven years to change agents and ended up going with another company who is a very upstanding company. But uh, this individual who is, took over his, as his agent also happened to be, guess who? Yadier Molina's agent. And the reason for that, Joe, is when you do something like that, you're looking to ingrain yourself with the team and potentially get a long-term extension. Unfortunately, Joe, for Ozuna, he did not get that long-term extension with St. Louis. He went into the offseason, was basically given the advice to turn down the qualifying offer to return uh, to the Cardinals. And it is my understanding that I believe he did have uh, some potential offers that were more than one year, but the money was not much more significant than what he was offered with the Braves. And so therefore, as if you're Marcelo Zuna, Joe, as an example, let's just throw a random example out. Would you sign a contract of two years and $28 million with the Texas Rangers? Or would you do a one-year, $18 million with the Atlanta Braves, have a great year, go back on the market next year without that draft pick attachment because anybody that signs Marcelo Zuna loses the draft pick. And you know that there's only going to be a pool of a handful of teams that are willing to do that. No bad team in baseball is giving up their first round pick. You know that fifth, fifth pick overall six, but it's not happening. Uh, and that's what Ozuna is betting on here, betting on himself. The question is in both fantasy and reality. Do you think Joe that Marcelo Zuna in 2020 is the guy that we saw in Miami with that unbelievable season in 2017, where he and Stanton were the bash brothers. 
Or is he more of what we saw in St. Louis the last couple of years, which, by the way, is a very good player last year, an extremely unlucky player with BABIP and hard hit rate and everything else, uh, was betting on himself the right move here for Ozuna? Not for me. Uh, I would have taken the two-year deal and gone to Texas. I don't know some guys don't like to switch leagues either, necessarily. Um, but, you know, Marcelo Zuna's 2017 was great. 37-124, fantastic season, hit 312. Every other year around there, you're looking at a, a 265 hitter who's hitting 25 bombs. And and that's not bad. I mean, he's like a 90 uh, RBI guy, probably score somewhere around average of 80 runs in his career. If you look at his 162 game average, taking into account, obviously, his best years and worst years, they all kind of even out because there's been a lot of median years for Ozuna. But basically, he's a, you know, 80 run score, 25 home run, 90 RBI player who's going to hit maybe 270. And that's a that's a good season for Marcelo Zuna. Now, he can have that. He ended up in a good spot in Atlanta in the middle of that order, which is going to have a ton of RBI opportunities. Uh, me, I'm going to take more money. I'm going to take the extra $10 million guaranteed because that's life changing money. And I just think you take that. Now, maybe I'll be wrong. Maybe he'll be great. But you're also running the risk of what if you get hit with a ball? What if you pull a hamstring and miss three weeks? What if you pull an oblique in spring training? You know, there's a lot of things here that I always feel like you put at risk. I think it's a fantastic job by the Atlanta Braves because they definitely needed somebody else to fill that void of Donaldson. Mm-hmm. Problem is, he ain't Donaldson. He's not Donaldson from a power perspective, and he's certainly not Donaldson from an OBP perspective. So I'm still looking at this lineup, and it is incredibly top-heavy. Marquez is a nice ball player, but Austin Riley's got questions. If Camargo's a third baseman, he's got questions. Darno, don't get me started on that guy, and Swanson's never lived up to his potential. So I still look at the Braves as being an incomplete. I really do. And the Braves, I thought, were completely poised to dominate again if they got Donaldson back and got a pitcher. The pitcher they got was Hamels, and the hitter they got was Marcelo Zuna. It's okay, but Craig, I don't know if that's enough to really pull away from what is become a very, very competitive division with the offseason the Mets and the Phillies have had, and the fact that the Nationals have one of the best players in the universe on their team in Juan Soto with three of the best pitchers in baseball on the same team. So I think the Braves really are still an incomplete unless their next move is trading some of this youth for to bring in another guy to play third base. Well, they could do that. Uh, the other thing that they could do is at the all-star break they or at the trade deadline, they could add uh, also all of these guys they acquired are in expiring contracts. They could add next year. Let's also not diminish Will Smith, which I think was a great signing too for them. Uh, and he will certainly help them in the bullpen. But um, in terms of their offensive lineup, I mean, it certainly stacks up with the other teams in the, in the division. Does it not? No, you don't think it, stacks it does. stacks up. But I'm saying is I thought Atlanta had an advantage there in terms of lineup because Rendon had gone. So if you were able to bring in, bring back Donaldson, I think that really made a difference. And I'm not, I'm not trying to like take away from Ozuna. He's a nice player. I don't think Ozuna is the kind of player like Donaldson who has, you know, I don't think he's got MVP seasons left in him, but he's certainly a better OBP player. He's certainly a better power hitter. And certainly I would say a plus from the defensive side of things. Let let me, let me, uh, let me put you, take yourself out of the equation and put yourself in Ozuna's uh, equation for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Let me be more specific on the numbers. If you if the Texas Rangers offered Ozuna, let me go back to the same number: two years, twenty four million, twenty five million, something like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you're Ozuna, you don't think that you could go back out in free agency and get a one year, fifteen million dollar deal next year at the very least. I do, or, or but who's years? to say that I can't go play those two years and maybe Texas turns out to be a really hitter friendly environment and maybe my numbers get jacked there. What I'm saying is you can make all the variables. I'm uh, you're talking of the difference of seven million dollars. And I think that's a lot of money. If you were telling me, no, no, I'm for, for a baseball player, it is nothing for a player of his magnitude. Nothing. I mean, Marcelo Zuna is a ab- above average player in Major League Baseball. 
He you is. Know? I mean, Starling Castro got six million dollars, Joe. Okay, let's let's <laughs> let's, let's let's keep it real here. Marcelo Zuna is a ten million dollar player any way you slice it. And well, so, right now, Marcelo Zuna, in terms of like fantasy world, he's going after Trey Mancini. He's going uh, before Nick Cassianos, who doesn't have a team, and before Yasiel Puig, who doesn't have a team. Yeah, so, so depending on where Cassianos is at. So my point is, is that Ozuna takes this one year, $18 million. Mm-hmm. He goes out and does, let's say, exactly the same thing, Joe, that he did last year. Exactly the same. He hits but no up, draft picks attached is what you're but saying. But no draft picks attached. He's going to get a three-year, $40 probably. million dollar deal next You're probably year. right. You're probably right, but... You know, injuries happen. Uh, you know, I guess uh, well, if listen, I was 30, it doesn't always work out. It doesn't always work. Look, no, Ian Desmond, not wrong. Through, Ian Desmond did it. It worked out for him, right? Ian Desmond did the same thing. He didn't like his deal. He took a one-year deal with Washington, went back out, got the money with Colorado. Who's to say? Colorado doesn't call Azuna next year and say, oh, we got to do it. Do you think Atlanta's done before the break right now? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I mean, Castellanos, at this point, he's got to go back to the Colorado. That's the other scenario for him. And then I told you about Puig. <laughs> See what's going on there with him. You did. Not a, not a peep on that guy. No peeps right. from Tweet. All right. We'll be right back with more fantasy sports today. Don't go. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today. And I like football. And I'm going to keep doing them both because they make me feel good. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Nish, along with Joe Pizzapia, with you here on the show. We're going to go through some of the best lineups in reality and fantasy coming up. Taking a break for some fantasy into some pop culture we uh don't do this often enough i don't think but the interesting story popped up yesterday i saw on yahoo joe that eddie murphy who now seems poised now look we don't know eddie murphy's got a lot of kids says he loves being home loves sitting on the couch and being a dad which is totally cool he does seem poised to make somewhat of a return i think at this point with the dolomite movie the appearance on saturday night live um he's no stranger to being offered to make movies in fact uh similar i think to the career of adam sandler you would you would consider eddie murphy one of the funniest comedians actors of all time uh it is hard to be in a spot like eddie murphy was 20 years ago where you're being offered millions and millions and millions of dollars to make these horrible movies like how do you say no like i i mean i i would have done the exact same thing so i get it he took this break of about a decade of just doing very small things and now seems to be in a position to make a, a monster comeback if he chose to do it. Now, that remains to be seen. Maybe he'll be particular about it. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll go right back down the road of making a million movies. Maybe he'll only do one or two. He certainly doesn't need the money, even with all the kids. But it was funny that he said yesterday that he got some bad advice from uh, from Rodney Dangerfield, who arguably you could make the case is, again, in the Hall of Fame of comedians, but basically told Eddie Murphy that his shtick was a little too vulgar. And, uh, and and I don't know, maybe the advice from Dangerfield was to get him to not be exactly who he was because he was going to take over his spot. I, I don't know the answer to that. But no, I that's that- not Rodney. Rodney was the most uh, every comedian says Rodney was the most genuine, wanted to help every comedian guy. I think okay. it probably came from a place of wanting to help, knowing every story okay. I've ever heard right. about Rodney. Listen, if that's the case, then that's I don't know that to be true. So I'll take I'll absolutely take your uh, word for it on that one. Uh, but in, in terms of in terms of where we're at 
with comedy. It seems like Netflix has been a great spot for it. There's been a lot of specials there. Dave Chappelle has really come back. What what is it that interests you, Joe, when it comes to this? Like, are are you somebody that can sit and watch a stand up for two hours? Can you pop on uh, you know satellite radio and listen to you know, comedy for for an hour or two? I don't know. I've just never. I, I can go see comedy. In fact, I think I'm going. Yeah, I am. I'm going this weekend to see Steve Martin and um and Martin Short. Uh, I'm going this weekend. That'll be very entertaining. Those guys show. are. Those guys yeah. are. Terrific. I'm going to see that this weekend, as a matter of fact. But uh, and and I'll go do that. But you know, to to sit there and watch on TV, it has to be something special for me. I guess I don't know. I don't know what it's about. I understand that. I, I was a big comedy person. My parents were very big comedy people too. And you know, um, I was somebody who would listen to. You know, I was a big David. I still am a big David Cross fan in terms of his comedy specials, which are also kind of walk the line of saying appropriate things and things that aren't appropriate and right. um, you know going going there and I think that's great I like comedians that challenge us I like smart comedy um, you know it's okay to be vulgar if you're smart I think it, I think if you're making a good point that's that's always the thing and you know the guys like Dave Attell who are very smart and you know <laughs> very vulgar as well um, but the Eddie Murphy's story but you know before you even get into like you know the bigger sphere here I think the the best part here that you, you kind of lost over was years later, he saw him in Caesar's palace and he came up to a urinal next to him and he goes, Hey, look, I was wrong. <laughs> like he basically was like, look at you, you know? And that's, right, right. that's Rodden. I think you're like, who would have listened to me? I'm an idiot, you know, but that's what he knew. And Eddie Murphy even did this in his bit. I don't know if it was raw or delirious. I think it was Eddie Murphy raw where, you know, the whole Bill Cosby call where Bill Cosby called and says, you know, don't do the filth and the flam and the filth and the filthiness and the stuff like that because of the children. And, you know, and here we are, you know, years later, and they made that joke on SNL a couple, you know, weeks back about it. Who Here I am. I'm the dad of 10 kids, stay at home, making lunches and doing stuff and taking care of the kids. And he's in jail for uh, doing horrible things. So it's kind of funny how like the moral police are out there. And I, I don't think anything in, should be out of bounds. I'm not a PC person. And I think as long as it's done in a way that's challenging us and it's intellectual, I think it's great. Um, I was very much into comedy specials in college because I feel like you know, that was the pinnacle of the Chris Rock ones. Like, bring the pain. Hilarious. I probably watched that thing, I don't know, a dozen times. Very Never funny. scared, Absolutely. bigger and blacker. Yeah. Those were great. Dennis Leary's No Cure for Cancer, another guy that pushed the envelope, right? You know, I think Jim Henson said it best when he said, I think I got a cough. <laughs> you know, like, like lines like that where you're just like, oh. But, you know, it's he's always pushing the envelope and, and all of that. Um, and frankly, let's be honest, if you want to talk about great, clean comics, again, professionally, Bill Cosby himself is one of the great hour and changes of, of comedy you'll ever see. Every bit lands. Every joke is funny. Not one curse word. So you can be funny without being dirty. I think it's a great challenge to be genuinely funny without being dirty. And I think it's harder to do. Uh, what are, are you a George Carlin guy at all? Because I know a lot of people who love Carlin. Uh, and I, I don't dislike Carlin. I like him. But I know some people just love Carlin. Not, not really. I mean, I don't have anything against any of these guys. I, I, I've always found it fascinating because for me, I'm more of a, a dark comedy type. So, well, then you would like David Cross stuff if you've ever listened to. I mean, David Cross is definitely darker. You know, that's that's like, <laughs> you know, but, like, but, oh. you're, but you've mentioned the ones that I recall seeing and, and spending the time to actually watch for an hour and a half or two hours. So um, you hit on some really good ones. But it, as far as me going in person, I think probably the ones that I, I in the last few years that I've seen, I saw uh, Chris Rock here in South mm-hmm. Florida. He came through. I saw Adam Sandler last year. With his uh, fre- 100% fresh, I think that was the name of it. He's coming back actually here uh, very soon, but I, I don't know how much different the uh, the material could be. So I saw him, and uh, and beyond that, I've seen a lot of comics through the years. But the one that sticks out because he died shortly after was Sam Kinison. I remember seeing him. Yeah, that was one of the first ones that I ever saw, 
and thought, and I, and I think that that kind of felt bigger than what it was. It's like walking onto that baseball field for the first time and seeing the green is seeing him do his act was like incredible. Like I was like, wow. Like at the time he was at the top, you know, like he was, there was, I, I, I want to say that he was maybe a top three or top four guy, but I vividly remember sitting watching that show and thinking, wow, this is this is just really funny. And he put on a great act as well. You know what's really funny nowadays too of like a current stand-up is Sebastian Mascalco. Um guy makes me laugh. I mean he does a lot of like ethnic kind of Italian New York stuff, but mm-hmm. again, very true. <laughs> so it's very funny. But I think I think it has wide appeal because it's so well executed. You know, the bits are so good. And um I I had heard about it. This was years and years before he became a big star. I sent my parents to go see him because I told my cousins, like, you got to go see this guy. And I and then I heard the album. I was like, this guy's hysterical. And he was playing a small nightclub where it's like, you know, 50 people. And I sent my parents as like an anniversary gift. And they said, this guy is just, I see this, we hurt from laughing. He was so funny. And they saw him in like, you know, 50 people, little club. And you got to love the comics that just love the art of comedy. You know, like the Seinfelds who continuously go out there and just show up on open mic nights and do stand up. Because they love comedy and comedy was such a huge thing in the 80s. That's how you 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 went into stand up comedy and hopefully at some point you got a, a sitcom of your own and it happened all over the place. And all of a sudden that stopped. And then the people doing comedy became rock stars for doing comedy. Uh, one of the great comedians, too, that I think doesn't get enough credit. He died also too too young, as many of them do, was Robin Harris. Robin Harris and the Bebe's kids, that that's that special, dirty, ghetto, hilarious. But he basically opened the door for that whole Kings of comedy group that came after him, the Steve Harvey's and the Cedric, the entertainers and, and the Bernie Macs, like he was the guy and they'll all tell you he was the guy, but you want to see, hear something like funny and, and Oh my God. And, you know, open the door to that other brand of comedy there that became very popular. That's it. Uh, have you ever watched any John Mulaney? He's very smart comedy. You too. know, He's a lot of people have told me to watch that. I have I watched <sighs> him. I have not very, very smart, very smart, very funny. Um, and I think it's great that Netflix kind of brought this back because when we were younger, HBO, right? You had the HBO comedy special. That's when you made it. And now it doesn't seem, nobody seems to do that. And then comedy central had them for years. And now Netflix has really taken a step forward. Dave Chappelle's killing them slowly is a, is a classic too. That's got some great ones. Mitch Hedberg, Bill Hicks. Those are also, if you love comedy guys that you should really, uh, go in and listen to. But I think it's great that we're kind of going back there because, I have a couple very dear friends of mine who are professional stand-up comedians. And I don't mean like, you know, like, like real, like they're on TV. And one of them was in last comic standing uh, and made it pretty far, you know, made it through like the, onto the TV rounds where they're doing comedy right. every week. And, and one of them is a gay comedian does a ton of, you know, obviously more, you know, gay humor and other things like that, but they are so sharp and they are so witty and they're so part of that comedy thing is they're constantly doing it. And they're, they're writing for TV shows on the side when they're not doing their standup and, and, and they're just, they're so bright and there's this hunger inside of them to constantly be looking for the humor in everything that happens. And it's an incredible engine inside of both of them. And they're both very accomplished. And it's funny because they're both on polar opposites in terms of style of comedy, yet they're both completely the same in terms of their approach, which is relentless. And I think there's something about that that's very cool. And it seems like from the Jerry Seinfeld show too, that comedians getting coffee and cards, that that club seems like a pretty fun club to be a part of. You know, like they 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 kind of enjoy each other and they feed off each other, which is so fun. And we put them in a room together. It's just terrific to watch them. Well, there you go. Some expert comedy fantasy analysis right here. On the show. <laughs> we'll be back with more fantasy sports today. We dive back into baseball after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. 
Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy legend? Go for the green with DailyRoto.com this fantasy golf season. For a limited time, get free access to Daily Roto's PGA DFS product, including fantasy projections powered by Data Golf, PGA betting tools, and of course, the DailyRoto.com Fantasy Golf Optimizer. Don't lay up. Go for the green with Daily Roto. Head to DailyRoto.com and enter the promo code GREEN to access your seven-day golf membership. That is DailyRoto.com, promo code GREEN. For your free trial, DailyRoto.com, that is where millionaires are made. As we return to Fantasy Sports today, let's get into some of the top lineups in fantasy baseball in 2020. And there's just no doubt that when you look at it, the focus of a lot of our conversations this fantasy season is going to be the Houston Astros. No question about it. Story came out yesterday. Uh, Really funny, by the way that uh, the Astros yesterday announced uh, their non-roster spring training invitees, which happens around the league. In fact, the Marlins did that yesterday, and and the Pirates did it as well. And the announcement, Joe, yesterday came from the owner of the Astros, Jim Crane. Usually what happens is... Who else is left? (laughs) Right. Well, it's like usually it's like the announcement was made by president of baseball operator, but it's like the owner made the announcement, which is really... Well, don't they have an assistant who's being an interim GM right now? I mean, isn't that day-to-day baseball stuff? There is, but I guess Crane is overseeing everything. Wow. I guess it's better if everything comes from the top at this current stage, but that's wow. Yeah, you're right. In terms of like conditioned baseball stuff, that is kind of like a, a wow moment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, the, the point is, is that the Astros with simply returning the best, arguably the best lineup in baseball will certainly have a chance. But I got to tell you, from a fantasy perspective, fantasy strictly, uh, I I mean the Twins are my lineup, man. Like that that to me, adding Donaldson to everything else that they have already, I don't know how anybody could put anybody else first. You could make the case and you could make a prediction, but the Twins hit more home runs than anybody in baseball last year, and they're getting Donaldson this year. My gosh, that is a scary proposition to have to face that team this year. So to me, uh, I mean, like a couple of years ago, I did an exercise uh, in fantasy, basically saying that if you just drafted the Astros in fantasy baseball, even in a mixed league, you would have done very well. I think that you could pull that off with the uh, with the twins. I mean, I got my catcher. I got my third baseman. I got my first baseman. I got my outfielders. You know, I'll wait well, on ADP, at the you, end. An ADP, you can actually do it quite easily. Yeah. Because like, none of them are overvalued. Like uh, Eddie Rosario, we just said, where is he in the 90s? I think I just said, right? 90 something. Yeah. Cruz is at 97. Um, Jorge Polanco, grossly underappreciated, one of my favorite players that nobody seems to think is any good except me. I mean, I know people do, but he's just he's just not talked about or discussed or valued enough. But you're right, that Twins lineup top to bottom, I just, as great as all the home runs were, in terms of pure hitting, I'm still going to go with the Astros. Springer, Altuve, Brantley, Bregman, Gurriel, I'm not the biggest fan of, but then you got Alvarez, Correa, who we still have not seen the best of Carlos Correa. If Carlos Correa plays 145 games, 150 games, and plays up to his ability, my God, I can't even I can't even fathom how good this team is going to be. And I think the difference between that lineup and the Twins lineup is the Twins lineup is a little home run heavy, whereas we're talking about more complete hitters, I think, on the Astros side. Guys like Springer, Altuve, you know, even and Bregman and Brantley, you know, guys that will hit for average as well. I'm not trying to take away anything from the Twins. Where do the Yankees stack up for you, too? Because... That's another lineup that oh, you fantastic. look at and does right not quit. Ab- absolutely. And and the guys that we illustrated yesterday on the show, you mentioned Talkman, I mentioned Ford, there's Giovanni Ursula. I mean, these are all guys that played, uh, Luke Voigt, that played last year because of other guys being hurt. Right. Like when the Yankees, it's interesting to me also, like part of 
what I do in spring training is I'll go and I'll try and find these players. Like these are the ones that I'll talk to for the various shows that I'll do. The ones that are a little bit under the radar to kind of see what makes them tick and try and get some predictions from them. And what happened was with the Yankees last year, Joe, it was all those guys. Those were all the ones, but I didn't talk to any of them. I'm like, ah, this guy's not going to play Giovanni Ursula Talkman. Who's this guy? Ford, forget him. You know, I'm just going through one by one. I'm like, give me somebody like, because that's what happens in spring training. Now, I did talk to Reggie for a long time last year. That was cool. But in general, the the way that spring training works is that like the teams will travel across the state here in Florida. It's not like Arizona where everyone's close together and they'll bring a star or two for the two game series and everybody else is a reserve. And all of those reserves who I remember seeing in person, I had awareness of them because I was so upset that they didn't really bring anybody. And I should know better. This is the way spring is, is like you're going to see the jerseys, the uniforms. You're not seeing the players in the spring when they travel, the Red Sox, the Yankees, when they come here. And conversely, when the East Coast teams go to the West Coast, it doesn't happen. Well, Herschel was one guy to be very, very leery of because this is a guy that had a 399 slugging in the minor leagues. Because I know because I did his profile, so I actually just pulled it up in the black book. And then all of a sudden, that 399 career slugging over a lot of games, by the way. It wasn't like two games. Yeah. Uh, and then it jumped to 534. Yankee Stadium's good. It ain't that good. So looking at that, and now I got to ask you too. So if we agree that Twins, Astros, 1-1-A, however you want to put them, and then the Yankees are in that conversation, who is next in that conversation? Is it is it a Boston kind of lineup that's still got some great guys at the top? Is it the Dodgers? Like, where would you go for the next best lineup in baseball after those three? Mm. Oh, that's a good question. Because the, uh, because if you look at the top heaviness of the of the Red Sox, you got Betts, Devers, Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, I, I Benatendi, Chavis. But then the end of it is, I don't know, we're going to get out of Jackie Bradley. Christian Vasquez had a great year out of nowhere. I don't know if Peraza is going to be that other guy. We'll see, but it's it's, yeah, it's definitely um, questionable. I, I would say that I think you I think you have illustrated as as we're preparing for the show today the teams Red Sox and Dodgers I think go go right up there. Uh, Muncie is probably one of the most underrated hitters in all of baseball. Should, I mean, unbelievable. I mean, OBP fantasy leagues, dude. This guy should be all drafted a lot higher than what he's being drafted. I think. And Bellinger's well, but Muncie, Muncie two years ago was a guy that kind of came out of nowhere. Of course, so everybody yeah, was, no, you couldn't trust well, and everybody's and it's hard to trust. And it just kept going. You know, you're waiting for he was he was the, the most after, called okay. about player on my show for a month. And and I think that and he never kept, quit. We yeah. kept saying, I don't know, it's probably going to stop. You know, it's a huge mistake. Like the guy just kept going on and on. But uh, like the sneaky, like lower tier type teams, I, I think the White Sox, of course, has have a real shot to take a big step this year they've just simply added too much talent to ignore that so i i definitely would have them in the equation as a possibility as well i think i think you have to i I think when you consider now the encarnacion's there who is you know a great power track record abreu had a fantastic bounce back to, to no surprise whatsoever uh but top to bottom this is another lineup too is if I'm not the biggest magical guy. A lot of people like magical more than me, but he's going to get in there. But right now, I mean, where does this lineup quit? Moncada, Anderson, Abreu, Grandal, another huge signing. I didn't even mention that. Encarnacion, yeah. no, Aloy Jimenez, who might be the best of all of them. Nomar Mazar, they acquired. And Luis Robert, uh, Robert, excuse me. And then you've got, um, and then at the very bottom, maybe it'll be magical. You know, right now it's Garcia, but that's probably, you know, not long for this world so man like that is that is a one through eight that i think you can make the argument for if these guys all click that that might be the team that really comes out of nowhere because that's another team too that has more pitching than a lot of other teams that have this whole potential 
they have some pitching in there with Keuchel and Giolito and maybe Dylan Cease. I mean, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. The uh, the team in the NL, I think that would, I don't know that they'll win, but I do find interesting. And there's there's some questions for sure, but the Reds definitely, to me, also have an interesting lineup too because there's a lot of ifs, no doubt. But And I don't know what Akiyama is. We'll talk about him in a bit. But Akiyama, Votto, Suarez, Moustakis. I know that you've been pretty outspoken on Aquino, but let's say Aquino is... 60% of what he was even last year. Uh, Aquino's in the lineup and is a potential 30 home run hitter. Winker is pretty good too to be batting seventh. And then Galvis and Barnhart at the end for an NL team. And again, uh, you know, a lot of ifs, one of these things going wrong of all the things that I mentioned, and it changes the dynamic of it, but you could have at the very least four guys hitting 30 home runs on this team. That's, that's that, yeah, for the NL, I, that's a lot. You could, but I, I think I'm going to poke some holes in Joey Votto. This is back-to-back bad years for Joey Votto. I mean, not not just like okay. So he hits, so he, hits, Votto, so he only like, hits twenty. Twenty. He hasn't hit twenty in three years. Correct? All right, so he hits fifteen. He's barely hit that. I mean, just so he hits zero. He doesn't play. <laughs> Suarez could hit thirty. No, Suarez Mustakas is a nice grouping. Aquino could hit thirty. Yeah, I I don't I don't put that one nearly. See, if I'm going to go with a National League lineup, I'm actually going to go with the in terms of depth. I like the Phillies. Of McCutcheon, course. No, the Phillies on paper are a lot better than Vincent. A lot better. I'm, I'm trying, saying, I'm trying like, to go off the grid here a little. Well, bit. but it's funny. But the the only team in that top five that we mentioned for the National League was the Dodgers. So who has the next best lineup coming from? I actually think it's coming from the Phillies. McCutcheon, Real Muto, Harper, Hoskins, Didi, Gene Segura, Scott Kingery. That's a pretty darn good one through seven right there. So you know, pitchers are going to have some run support. You would think in that order. Um, the San Diego lineup could be interesting as well yeah, if Tatis cool. really comes along. Um, the problem is, it's when you look at a lot of lineups, you see good middles of the order, maybe top heavy. It's about depth and the depth of order in terms of lineups that don't quit right now. I think the Phillies outside the Dodgers are the next best lineup that doesn't quit. That you just go and you're like, man, where's the easy out here? And it's not there. And I think that's the issue. Whereas some of these American League teams we mentioned, I mean, we the White Sox, even the A's. I mean, if Chris Davis bounces back and you have Chapman, Olsen, Davis in the middle of that lineup, holy hat, they were good last year without Davis being any good. And if Davis goes back to that 40 home run plateau, holy cow, look out, man. That A's team, another team that has a lot of pitching. Yeah, American Oakland, League is going to be fascinating this year. Craig. Oakland's always uh, sneaky. And plus, the DH is you know clearly a huge advantage there. Uh, Arizona, Cattell Marte, David Peralta, Eduardo Escobar. We'll see what Walker is. That's uh, a, Cole, that's another sneaky good one. Cole too, Calhoun hit 20. Um, Ahmed was way above what he thought we thought last year, but you never know. I think Lamb's uh, done. Factor. Carson Lamb's Kelly's done. Okay. Yeah, I can't believe he's a projected starter for them. What am I missing? Am I missing I somebody don't know. on Arizona? Yeah, I think All it's right. a matter of where you want to play, guys. That's the that's the thing. Like, like if as Escobar moves over to third base and then somebody else plays second, I think that's more what you're looking for. Potentially. Kevin Crone, maybe that's the name I'm missing. Um, okay, so uh, let's take a quick timeout on fantasy sports today. We got to do that. Pay some bills. When we come back next, we'll talk about some breakout players in the National League Central. We'll have our two minute warning. And then at the top of the hour, send it over to Dr. Roto. He is standing by next right here on Fantasy Sports Today, every Monday through Friday from noon to 2 Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Check out uh, over on SportsGrid and go to SportsGrid.com. The uh, people behind all of the great wagering advice and information advice have produced a 2020 uh, Pro Football Championship Game betting guide. You may want to check that out. And that's been posted over on the SportsGrid Twitter at SportsGrid. Really interesting stuff. If you take a look at it, I looked at it earlier today. A lot of prop bets, a lot of interesting news and notes, and it will be constantly live updated too. So maybe a way that you can get some help before the Super Bowl begins next Sunday. The Pro Football uh, Sports Grid Guide 
is available right now. We'll be back with more fantasy sports today coming up in just a couple of minutes. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you. Uh, make sure you tune into tomorrow's show. Our friend Tom Grieve is going to be on the show, former big league general manager and player, now a color television analyst with the Texas Rangers, also a big fantasy football guy. Uh, should be a fun conversation that we will have with Tom tomorrow about everything that's been happening in baseball. Good time to have him on. So that will be tomorrow's show. Make sure you tune in. Maybe we'll get a little bit of a clue on what the new Rangers stadium will play like. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have Tom on tomorrow. So uh, let's move over to the National League Central. We've been talking about some of the breakout players in 2020. And uh, in the NL Central in particular, not a lot of great options this year. Now, there could be some players that come out of nowhere that we're not expecting. But I don't see an Alvarez. I don't see an Alonzo. I don't see any kind of rookie coming out of nowhere. But the one player who was given the money clearly with the Reds, is Shogo Akiyama. And we can start off with him because when you pay a player the kind of money that they paid him, and again, this is not uh, Bryce Harper money, this is not Garrett Cole money, but the Reds clearly liked something with him and they made this investment. And by all accounts, it looks like he has a chance to lead off for Cincinnati this year. Well, and that's what it's all about. It's, It's a matter of what they like most about him is the OBP. This is a guy that walks a ton. This is a guy that has an on base somewhere around 375 for his career in Japan, and that's a huge thing right there. He's got great plate discipline. He's got some speed. I don't think he's going to be a burner that seals 25 bases or anything like that, but he should give you about a dozen. In terms of profile, he reminds me a lot of Nori Aoki. And if you put Nori Aoki and took him out of, say, San Francisco or, or take him out of Kansas City, some of the places he played, and dropped him into Cincinnati, well, heck, I think there's a little bit of pop upside there too. So I think it's a good ballpark factor. I think it's a spot where Akayama is still an unknown entity. So right off the bat, a lot of people are hesitant. So you're going to get him at a good range. Hitting at the top of the Reds order, I am hard 90 runs. If he plays 145 games, which I think is, you know, he'll get some off days because they do have a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a rotation possibility in that outfield. But it seems like he's going to get the lion's share and it goes like Winker and Senzel are going to have to fight for it. Or if Aquino or somebody gets hurt, you know, that'll open up a spot. But Akiyama right now is going to be that guy. If I asked you right now, what's his ADP? What would be your guess, Craig? I'm curious on NFBC. Where do you think Akiyama, a guy with oh. potential to hit maybe 280, uh, a great OBP, probably hit 15 home runs, 10 steals, something like that, and score 90 runs, where would you put him? In the hundreds? Like I'm not like higher, oh, like, Bob. Like, like what? What is he at? Three twenty-two. Wow, I would have put him at like one seventy, one eighty, like one. I like I think that's going to be the return. I think he's going to end up somewhere that's in that one seventy range. Yeah, that is. Very it's very surprising. surprising, and this goes to tell you how afraid people are of new things because we've had a lot of mixed results, to be honest, over the years. But right now. He is going at 322. He's going around guys like Kevin Kiermeyer, Jesse Winker, Domingo Santana. And this guy has a job. This guy has a spot in the top of the order. 
And, you know, Gregor, Gregory Polanco's at 310. Corey Dickerson's at 308. I think if, you know, you're looking for some outfield depth, these are some guys there. Nakayama's one of them that you can look at and go, hey, I can get some good fantasy stats no matter what the format is out of this guy. 140 games. I don't see how he doesn't score 90 runs. I really don't. I mean, it's he's a great OBP guy. Just limit your stolen base and home run potential. But who knows? He could surprise there as well. All right, let's move on to uh, to some of the other names here in the Central. Um, you know, Dylan Carlson now, I mean, after Ozuna ends up leaving St. Louis and going uh, to Atlanta, boy, there is a prime opportunity there for some playing time in left field. Carlson is going to be in big league camp with the Cardinals. He's got plus power. He's a good defender by all accounts, too. I would suppose that that he has a chance to be the Cardinals opening day left fielder, Joe, in a month or two months from now. I I, I mean, w- w- what's he up against? <laughs> there's, there's not I, that's there. the thing. It's like, hey, do you really you're going to look for the Tyler O'Neill's and Bader's to block him? I mean, I, I don't. Well, Bader's, don't center, that's Bader's the center fielder. So that's well, it. Right. But in terms of playing time, like squeezing guys around like that, that's what I mean. Bader's going to play center. He's in center. So okay. Fowler's in right. right. So Tyler O'Neill's out there. Right. Okay. So Austin, it's, D, it's my buddy. Time f- and, and Edmonds, I think more of a, he's going to play on everywhere. the diamond. Kind yeah, of he's going to play. Yeah, he's a plug and play guy. Mm-hmm. Carlson's the guy you want to see last year, yeah. at 20 years old in double a 882 OPS at 281 stole 18 bags, hit 21 home runs in just 108 games. They moved him up to triple a, for 18 games there, he hit 361 with 1,098 OPS. So if he doesn't break camp, I would imagine after Super 2, he's out there because this is a guy that has all the earmarks of being a, the, one of the next great players here. And, you know, we've, we've, we, you made a great comment, and you're totally right the other day where you said, well, we've had a run of these Cardinal outfielders in the last decade of the Biscottis and the Grichicks and all these guys that are kind of underwhelmed. I think Carlson's a bit more... Uh, more star potential than that, at least from what I've seen. I don't know if you agree with that, but it feels like Carlson's going to be sooner than later. And this Ozuna signing yesterday, I think, kind of moves that timetable up for fantasy. Yeah, his ADP needs to be a lot higher. And provided that the Cardinals do nothing else, you know, and Jose Martinez has been eliminated from the conversation, and Rosarina has been eliminated from the conversation too. And make no mistake about it, Rosarina played a little bit. So. Uh, I think Edmund, honestly, is probably his main competition. If Carlson hits a buck seventy in the Grapefruit League, Edmund is going to be the opening day left fielder for the Cardinals. And if not, it's going to be Carlson. And, and look, I think for some players, spring doesn't mean anything. For this player, it's going to mean something. So we'll have to keep an eye on him. And in terms of the comparisons that you've made, I would say this. And and again, the book is not completely done on him because he had so many personal issues, especially with his mother and having to move back to Oakland. I'm not ruling out Piscotty from being a great player. I still think that. No, no, I think Piscotty's a, a much better player than he gets credit for, but he never reached the level of expectation. Hasn't, yeah, he hasn't. And it's yet. not his fault. Right. And he yeah. if you told me he had one of those like prime years, like 29 to 31, where all of a sudden he really popped, I'd be like, OK, yeah, I get that. Carlson, by the way, ADP in NFBC 313. For him yeah, that's got to so be a another, lot higher now. Yeah, that's got to. I be. agree. I, I that's going to break three hundred. I could tell you that right now. So I don't oh, know where you want to go next. You want to go Cubs? You want to go Brewers? Where do you want to go? Well, I'm curious about nice, this. Mitchie. I'm curious about the Brewers here because this is a name that I'm not all that familiar with. So fire away on this one. All right, look. You look at this, and Brewers I know team. almost everybody. So this. All is, right, this so is you look at this Brewers team, and what 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 comes to mind here when you look at this Brewers rotation? That they don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And here's a guy, Trey Supak, who 
is basically, you know, he's going to be 24 years old. Uh, last, last year in double A, he had a 242 ERA. He threw a combined 150 innings last year. So innings are not a problem for this guy. And if and when there's either an injury or bad performances, this is a guy who's going to start out at AAA. Now, PCL, he did not perform well over his seven starts, but it's the PCL, so I never take that seriously. It's why I'm talking about the AA stats. And, oh, by the way, the year before in AA, he had a 2.91 ERA there. Now, he's not going to light up the radar gun. He's not a guy that's going to have like a 10K per nine. He's at, you know, 7.8 in his career, K per nine, but he limits the walks. He's he's in that, you know, 2.6 range in terms of walks per nine. So this is more of the kind of pitcher that I think profiles well in what was formerly the artist known as Miller Park, a guy who's going to keep the ball down, a guy who knows how to pitch to get outs, and a guy that I think has some real appeal of keep an eye on, grab off the waiver wire. If you're in a dynasty league, you know, you're looking at this rotation, you know there's holes in it. Who's the next man up into this rotation? I think it's Trey Supak. Okay, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, they'll, you have we'll have to have some difference of opinion. Certainly, maybe he's going to end up being good, but uh, I mean, this is one honestly that I had to Google, and so that's the that's, that's, that's not yeah, that's not a good sign yeah, for me. Well, um, none of us are above learning things. No, that's, for sure. But, but again, that. there's like seven pitchers in their system ranked ahead of him. Uh, in, 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 at least according but who's to who's ready innings wise, who's who are you ready to slide in? Like, you're I'm I'm not saying there's not guys better. But I'm talking about guys who are it, more it, it ready very to well be. may be. But listen, and there's just, a difference I'll, between them. Simply, things. simply put, this will be a pass for me on this one. I, I don't know that the Brewers. I mean, Lucas. Erzig no, it's them. I'm somebody. just giving you some names. Yeah, no, it's fine. I'm just I'll pass on this one. Um, Nico Horner is someone. Okay, let's go to the Cubs. <laughs> Nico Horner is is somebody that Theo Epstein likes a lot. I definitely can see either this year or next year him being a big part of what the Cubs do. Um, so I know that this is the name that you wanted to talk about. There's no question. I think that you're on the right path with this. So, uh, feel free to dive in. Yeah, I had two here with the Cubs. Uh, one was Nico Horner again from playing time. Now Horner's another guy doesn't have tremendous power necessarily, but I think he could be a good doubles hitter. I think he could be a guy that flourishes in Wrigley field and it's all about playing time. And he got a little taste of it last year in 20 games and fared pretty well at 282. You know, it's a small sample, you know, 80 plate appearances. There's not much you're going to take out of that. But I think this is a guy who was a, a really nice hitter in college. And, you know, he played at Stanford there and he had uh, some really good seasons there with them. Again, the power is not what you're looking for. He's got a little he's like a Dustin Pedroia type profile statistically. You know, I mean, maybe you're going to get a good power season once in a while. But I think long term, you know, he's more in that. Give him, you know, a dozen home runs, but a guy can make some good contact. I think that's what you want. Guy's going to hit for average. Um, and he still has some things to improve on. But I think in terms of plate discipline, you like what you see a guy who strikes out almost as much as he walks. And that is a something that gets lost in today's baseball quite a bit. And the other name is Ian Happ, who was a, a huge primetime prospect for them that kind of fell off in favor. And then last year, same kind of thing, had some injuries, had some issues. But if you look at the body of work in the 58 games that he played, 264 with 11 home runs and 30 RBI is not bad. He had an 898 OPS over those 58 games. Now, if he's going to get consistent at-bats, and that's the trouble, consistent at-bats, this is another guy to just keep an eye on because I do think Ian Happ, at 25 years old now, it's way too soon to give up on him, and he would be a very interesting piece to get back in a trade that you're just asking for another piece that could actually still have some good baseball ahead of him. Yeah, and when I look at Hap, I look at a player that I think through the years has 
like uh, kind of moved himself out of the lineup with just and especially with him, I, I think verbally popping off uh, last. I think it was last year where he didn't want to go to the minors. What I, I think this is a great change of scenery, guy. I, I, don't, I don't. I mean, I know that in terms of what I have heard, they they did shop him, but were not able to get what they thought was fair value back. The only way I could see him playing is if something plays out where they do trade one of those core players like a Bryant, a Rizzo. A Baez, obviously they're not trading Baez, but let's just throw his name in there. If something like that was to happen, I think that that changes for half. Otherwise, I would love to see this guy in the American League just mashing that right field porch somewhere. You're uh, right. That that but, we that's the ideal for him. I think you just nailed it. That that's exactly you know <laughs> where I think you want to get him. But he's he's not a. You mean the guy's got power? The guy's got upside. It's been a matter, I think, of confidence. And sometimes when you know better than most that when a guy gets bounced back and forth, sometimes they lose that confidence and, you know, it takes its toll mentally. And baseball is much of a mental game as it is physical. So I think Hap would benefit a great deal from someone saying, hey, here's the gig, go play every day or move him on to another team so he could do that. Change of scenery would be great for him if he could get one, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, Let's end with the Pirates. Uh, <laughs> it's a tough one, man. Yeah, it really is. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you who I like on the pirate. I like Jason Martin. I've liked him for a couple of years. Uh, he was involved in the Garrett Cole trade. I'm going to wait for him to be a complete. You know, buck. it's funny. That's who I had beside. And I was like, man, Craig's going to hammer me if I say Jason Martin. I, I like have Jason his profile Martin. Up. I, I like it. I like <laughs> I the character. Play. I like the character. I know him. I like the makeup of him. He's an intelligent kid. He is a hard worker. I don't think he's ever going to be an all-star, but I could see 15 home runs and 15 steals from this guy if they let him play and play every day. Now, you know, he he came up, he hit a little bit. They had to send him back down. I understand those sort of things happen, but I'll end. I'll put Jason Martin on my pirates list for this year. Who do you got real quick? We got yeah, I mean, their system is wacky. It's Brian Hayes. It's Jason Martin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For me, it's Musgrove. And you saw the potential there in short stints. And now it's a matter of, okay, can you harness all of this and do it more consistently? And I think that's always possible. So for the price, which is free, I think he's worth a shot. There you go. All right. We'll be back with the two-minute warning as we wrap up on this Wednesday. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we end the show, let's close it out with the two-minute warning. The two-minute warning. Two minutes, get your sh- together. Is that going to be enough time? And we'll end the show today kind of how we began, which is the drama and the intrigue that's surrounding the National Baseball Hall of Fame vote. And I thought that Derek Jeter said it best yesterday when he was asked by the Yes Network, and I believe it was Jack Curry, if I'm not mistaken, on television, where uh, they gave, they gave him, uh, Jack Curry gave him a nice little warm-up and said, Derek, you know, you're in the Hall of Fame, and yada, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, but you had one person that didn't vote for you, and Derek Jeter, who normally takes the high road, by the way, and normally would pivot in that situation in the past, 
and say, well, you know, I have a lot of respect for all the writers and I could really care less. And that to me was refreshing. And honestly, in the times that I've had a chance to interact over the last couple of years, both personally and privately with Derek Dieter, I think that he's basically at this point accomplished everything that he needs to accomplish on the field. And if anybody has any kind of doubt in that guy, he has the right to say whatever he wants. And I think it's a little bit refreshing. The only thing that's left for him at this point in his professional career is arguably the biggest challenge of all, which is turning around the Miami Marlins. But everything this guy has done, whether it's on the field or the Players' Tribune, and even personally, has been a success. It would be very foolish to doubt a guy who has won over his entire career and someone who is arguably the one of the top competitors all time in professional sports. That'll do it for the show today. Thanks again to my co-host Joe Pizapia and my producer Sean Bostamacchia. Full-time fantasy is next. For Joe, I'm Craig. We'll talk to you tomorrow at noon Eastern. Have a great Wednesday, everybody. See ya.